Hey everyone, welcome back to Reality 2.0. I am Catherine Druckmann. I am joined by Doc Searles and Kyle Rankin, who you probably remember from previous episodes. We have a few things to talk about this week. Uh, one of them is actually something that Kyle wrote, so we'll get to that in a minute. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Pegasus and the NSO group because, well, everybody needs to talk about that a little bit, uh, frankly. And uh, before we get started, though, I wanted to remind everyone to visit our website at reality2cast.com. That is the number two. You can do a lot of things there, read some supplementary things. We always put links to the things we talk about uh, on our episode pages, and you can buy swag. You can support us on Patreon. You can sign up for our newsletter. All of those would be great. So yeah, so with that, uh, Kyle, tell it, tell us a little bit about what you wrote, because so so it, the NSO group and, and Pegasus has been in the news and a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of security people like you are talking about it. But in this case, you've, you know, it really kind of relates to what you do at Purism. So it obviously was quite relevant to, to post in a blog post there. And I wondered, you know, if you could tell us what motivated you to post it now and, 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 and uh, talk a little bit about what's in that and how you feel about it. Yeah, I, it was it was difficult, you know, because security incidents happen all the time, and normally I, it's very difficult, but I try not to write about them immediately if there is some if it if it, there's some sort of link to products that I work right. on, you know, even though that I would have I have a relevant opinion therefore because I'm working on something, but it really reads like ambulance chasing because mm -hmm. and, and the security industry is horrible for this. <laughs> uh, every time there's an incident, you know, some, some people on a marketing team for a lot of vendors, the first thing they do is, is start firing off emails to people talking about how, you know, their product could solve it, right. whatever it is. Right. So I, I hate that. And so I, I really didn't want to do that. You know, I know, uh, I know you, I know you hate that. <laughs> I know but this time it's relevant. It's really well, it's important. Well, like for instance, when when the whole Solar Winds came out thing came out, like okay. I waited months before I wrote anything about it because I was like, I don't even want the appearance, the taint, the right. possible taint of you know talking about it and make, making it seem like this. So anyway, but we you know we got direct questions from customers saying, hey, I just saw, heard about this Pegasus thing. Is your stuff vulnerable or not or whatever you know? And so I saw my future as writing a bunch of responses to individuals. And I realized, well, this is almost like a frequently asked question at this point. So I should probably write up something about, you know, about not so much about Pegasus specifically, but it tried it. Cause that's the other thing is I try not to talk about particular incidents if I'm doing it on my company blog, as much as I try to write about like a higher level, like spyware, for instance, because, right. you know, it's true for all spyware. Anyway, the, the point of the article was sort of to answer you know, questions about Pegasus, which since we haven't really talked too much about it yet, is a um, some spyware that's developed by NSO Group, uh, who writes a lot of uh, software for governments and to for surveillance and that sort of thing. Uh, this is notable because it contains a number of zero-day vulnerabilities in things like the iPhone, like fully patched iPhones. Right. The other thing that's notable about it is that it requires no user interaction, uh, which I think that's the main thing that yeah. caused people to raise eyebrows and kind of be worried because a lot of it's a lot of people in the security industry, if they think, well, I have to open a bad attachment, then they just sort of, you know, there's a bit of ego and pride in the security industry. <laughs> so they think, well, I would never. Right, I know, would never fall for that. I would yeah. never fall for that. So only- I would totally people, fall for that. 
Yeah, I would like, fall so, for that. Come on, yeah. we would yeah, all so fall for that. So if if they think that well, only stupid people, the 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 people who are below me would uh, <laughs> would would be subject to it, then you know it's not a big deal. But this one could affect me, you know. So then so yeah. it blows up in the big deal. So anyway, this this has been around for a while, and people understand that this this uh, spyware that with using zero days, where you, again you just send the message to an i an iPhone that's fully patched, and they can get full remote control. See you know see the use the camera and microphone, have you know full remote access, but in the past, you know, there's there's been concern that, that it's not simply being used for terrorists, but instead, you know, maybe other groups in the, in the reports that are coming out this week seem to indicate that that's indeed the case, that like you might suspect if you have a, a uh, tool that you can use to then spy on whoever you want, and you sell it to various governments who don't have that capability in-house, then there's a chance they might use it not just for you know, absolute known terrorists. But um, in this case, and what's making a lot of news here is that journalists and activists and apparently heads of state allegedly have been um, swept up in this. I mean, a lot of that is based on, and of course this is, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, we might know more, but this is based on like a, 50, a list of 50,000 phone numbers and dates mm -hmm. that they were added to some list and as of right now, the provenance of that list is sort of under question. So we're not entirely sure if it's if being on that list 100% means that you were targeted or whether you were considered for targeting or what exactly it means. But there's been enough correlation between people that are on the list and who and the timing that they the timestamp associated with it and act, actions in their lives that. So a lot of people believe that it's a list of everyone who's been targeted. So yeah, I wrote a post just basically answering the question, you know, does, what about your products? Can, what, how do you deal with spyware? And the, the challenge with spyware that uses zero days, so uh, spyware that requires no interaction and can work against, uh, you know, a fully patched phone that you don't know is installed is that there's when you, you can talk about defenses all day long, but by the very nature of it being a zero day vulnerability, there's not a patch. And in theory, if they, you know, if you have sandboxes and that sort of thing to protect apps, those any zero, zero day vulnerability that's going to be useful is going to figure out a way to bypass those sandboxes and do. I mean, that's generally how they do things. So, anyway, I took it from more of a higher level standpoint of, well, I think that one of the keys to this is the user being in control of their hardware. And in particular, in our case, use, we, one of the main reasons we put hardware kill switches on things is so that the individual can decide, well, there's something shady going on, um, or I think there might be something shady going on, but, or I don't, but either way, being able to disable the camera and the microphone automatically uh, with from hardware so that there's no concern that spyware or something can still turn it on. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's an obvious appeal to a device like the, the Librem 5 is, you know, you want, you want to believe that it is safe. Um, and <laughs> so being able to have those kill switches is a, is a nice layer of, um, well, at least makes you feel good. Well, and the thing is, it's, I mean, and we've had this, I mean, it's the same reason we put it on our laptops because there's, while there's, you know, there are, this particular spyware doesn't target our platform. I'm in a lot of remote access Trojans on laptops are, are 
written for you know Windows or Mac, there's no reason to think that it couldn't potentially exploit either a Librem laptop or you know a Librem phone. So you want some line of defense even with that. So let's, in particular, if you're say an at-risk journalist or something, right. and you think that you, and you're writing a, stories about people who you know might be able to have access to these sorts of tools and might use them, uh, knowing for sure that your microphone's off or knowing for sure that your cell phone is off and you can't be tracked. That's the other thing is that, you know, um, part of it is being able to listen to people's microphones and things, but a lot of it is being able to track people's whereabouts um, mm -hmm. using the software. Yeah. Of course, it was the other thing I've kind of, when I was writing the article, I realized, you know, a lot of people are really upset about the fact that you have these, um, that all of these different governments using this tool, of course, you know, people didn't mention the USA, China, or Russia in the list because they have, they don't use, they don't have to use the Pegasus, you know, they have their own right. in-house versions, right? But the thing that struck me was all of the things that everyone's concerned about that this spyware can do, which is track your location all the time and have remote access to the hardware on the system, the camera and microphone if they want to, and all of the apps and the file system. It's like the same thing that's baked into Android. You know, it's sort of like <laughs> Google has had these capabilities forever, you know? Right. And, and I mean, folks like us raise our eyebrows at that, uh, you know, every couple of months. So we talk yeah. about some issue with that, but it's like these capabilities have been, are around all the time. And, you know, I think, again, I think the reason, one of the reasons besides the fact that you have the specter of like a, the leader of a country targeting journalists that are critical of them, you know, which that's one major red flag. But like I said, I think a lot of it is people realizing, oh, wait, they could target literally anybody using this tool and it shouldn't be that way. Um, unless apparently Google and Apple who can, like I said, can track your location all the time if they want to. So, so, so Kyle, in your, in your piece, you said uh, that, you know, what, what happened with it left many at-risk iPhone users wondering, and I'm quoting from you here, whether they're too compromised and if so, what they do. But you don't, you know, you've got a different company, so you're not caring much about iPhones. But what, what is the answer to that? Because I, I, I have an iPhone here. Um, I'm a journalist. Um, I'm not, I doubt I'm a very interesting journalist to somebody who wants to follow me around. Um, You'd be surprised. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> and, and, and we know that Linux Journal itself, when we were, we were there, was listed as a, as, a, uh, as a communist front or whatever the hell it was. But at the time, <laughs> you know, but, but, I mean, we, but the, the NSA, the NSA, you know, had reason to, to suspect us, or if they didn't have the reason, they would did anyway. So what are the options here? Are there any, that list of phone numbers, 100,000 phone numbers, is that public? Is there, is there a database one can check and say, hey, is your phone number one of the ones that got followed here? They haven't, to my knowledge, they haven't published the full list. I think there's a consortium of, of journalists for a, from a number of publications that sort of partnered on the story. I think they are each going through and you're seeing stories come out this past week from different groups who are analyzing that list and drawing conclusions based on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and tracing down some of the numbers. I don't believe it's been published. However, uh, my understanding is Amnesty International has worked on a, a tool that you can use now. At one point it required, you know, even my understanding at the time of writing that piece was that it required pretty advanced forensic techniques. Mm -hmm. But since then I've come to mm -hmm. learn that Amnesty International's released a tool that you can use that will try to look for uh, evidence of this either on an iPhone or Android. Cause it wasn't yeah. just iPhones that were targeted. 
Um, yeah, and I think there was speculation that somebody, I mean, again, it's open source, so so there's some speculation that somebody's just going to make some kind of UI for it to make it very easy to use. But um, that, I don't think that's happened yet, but I actually was going to go play with it. I just haven't had a chance, but it, it, from something I read, it was fairly easy to use if you have some technical skill. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is allegedly if it's that Pegasus is not supposed to target uh, phone numbers that start with plus one. Uh, it explicitly is supposed to not work in the U.S. or against U.S. targets. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, sure. Right. So I'm just saying that. So uh, <laughs> all that. So what that means is, if you do find evidence of it, that would be very interesting data point. I mean, that would be newsworthy in and of itself because of this. Yeah. And there, there's the part where I really want to do an Israeli accent and, and, and make a funny comment, but my Israeli accent is terrible in spite of my many years of trying. So I'll skip that part. <laughs> I really try, I do, but I can't do it. Yeah, so the, the, um, yeah, the, the, the Verge and um, some other pubs have, uh, have a link to the tool. Um, so there, the, the tool is out there. Yeah, I'll uh, link to, to it know. in the description for. Yeah, sure. yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll go for that. No, I would be curious. That's interesting. Um, we do have a lot of foreign listeners who yeah. would presumably not have plus one phone numbers. So definitely worth a shot. What confidence does any of us have that we're just you know not just completely screwed? I mean, I, that. Oh, I have very little confidence. I, I, mean, I, 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 I put it a different way, and and this is, you know. I obviously, th there is no security system that cannot be breached in some way, I suppose. Right now, I have no confidence that a, a well-motivated bad actor can get through on anybody somewhere or another. But I, I would like to have more confidence than I, I, I'd, I'd like to have a sense that there's some, there's some hope that we can, I mean, like, they put it a different way. Here in the physical world, I think most of us have a sense that there is some way we can hide. Now, I suppose in the fullness of, of the physical world, you know, you can come in with infrared or something else and find somebody hiding in the woods or something. But there's a sense that, you know, you, you can be left alone. I mean, there's a, that, that, that's, a, that's a possibility. You know, that's, there's something, I think, in human nature that says, you know, I can go in a cave. I can find a hollow log or some other thing like that. But in the, in the cyber world, it's like, oh, my gosh, we're, there's no way. We're just, we're totally vulnerable. So I'm wondering if there's uh -huh. any... Any, any confidence we can have or any suspicion, I'm not sure what the right word would be, but some sense that there's some hope that, that something like being left alone is possible. Is it possible? I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in that, but you know, I mean, you never know, like who, define, define what is a, what is a bad actor and what is a good actor? You know, well, I think you don't know who you're hiding from until, until it's too late. But, but that comes down to consent. That comes down to consent to control, right? So a, a bad actor is doing something against your consent, and a good actor is doing something that you allowed. You know, or you doing something against your consent that they decided was worthwhile. Well, I guess <laughs> I, I guess we're talking about from whose perspective is good or yes, bad. Yes, exactly. But like to me, the, it still comes down to. I don't believe the solution is to be found in outsourcing all security to your phone vendor or your computer vendor, mm -hmm. and then fully trusting and hoping that they will protect you and you have no agency yourself to do anything about it. Like for example, that's one thing about this circumstance is that 
iPhone users really just have to hope that there's a patch later that stops this, maybe, yeah, and maybe. and that they are able to patch fast enough that there's not enough more zero days to burn. Uh, at some point, that there's like it's, there's an arms race to try to discover and close these security holes faster than they can find new ones. Uh, to me, I mean, and that's why I didn't spend a lot of time when I was writing my own piece talking about specific like security measures, like software security measures, sandboxes and stuff like that, because the, the assumptions that's already baked into this is that one of those things for this to function would be breached anyway. Like the whole point of something like this, if it works, is that it's getting past those kinds of software defenses. So to me, the solution is to be able to, when you want to, if you want to quote unquote, go out in the woods and be by yourself, um, you can do that with your phone by disconnecting it from the world and actually having trust that that's what's happening. You know, like right now, if you put your phone in airplane mode, you believe that it's probably not transmitting maybe, or if you disable location services, you hope that that's what's happening. But we also, there's a recent study that showed uh, that looked into that. If you disable location services on your phone, what happens? And it turns out, even if you explicitly opt out, Google and Apple are still phoning home with things like your location anyway, you know? And so right. the, the only way for me to really have assurance that that's happening is for me to have control over it. And in that, to me, that means having physical, the physical ability to sever it because you can't necessarily trust software, especially right. for an extreme threat. Right. Uh, or, you know, so basic, <laughs> are you saying that if you have an iPhone or an Android phone or something like that, you need a metal bag? Like that's really the only thing. I mean, that's, that's one that would, wouldn't be the worst thing if you want actual privacy if you're in a situation where you want to be able to go somewhere and know that you're not being tracked of course the fact that your phone just disappears off the map um, randomly once sometime and then appears at some other location is kind of raises some eyebrows too because metadata is incredibly valuable um right. and and it's not and the other thing is okay let's say that you do that and then you get in your car and you drive to that location and then it turns out that the fbi has a stingray somewhere between and your your car has a cellular phone yep. in it and it connects to that stingray which yeah. is another story from this nice one. nice Ex segue expl <laughs> explain a stingray for for yes please those of us who don't know sure yeah so that's the name it's sort of a name given to a class of devices because that was the name of sort of the, the sort of the nickname given to the first version of this but what it is is uh, a cellular site simulator is sort of the more generic name for this. And what it is, is, is a set of equipment that can pretend to be a cellular tower and essentially man in the middle attack uh, your uh, cellular connection. So your cellular phone wants to connect to the tower with the most strength, with the highest level of strength. That makes sense. Whatever has the best signal, let me connect to that. And so what these Stingray devices do is they broadcast that they're the best they're the best game in town you need to connect to me i have the, the best signal and so cell phones will connect to that and then um, the stingray will forward on the connection to the rest of the network so you don't know that you're associating with um, some device in the middle but you are and then whoever has control of that device um, can then see whatever traffic's going over the wire so in the past when uh, cell connections were less encrypted uh, that could mean everything from your browsing history, everything you're browsing to, you know, SMSs and, and messages you're sending back and forth, emails and all of that. Nowadays, uh, more of that is 
uh, encrypted, thankfully, but you know things like SMS still aren't. Uh, so they can still see that sort of thing. They can still inject traffic and, and do things like that to try to sniff what's going on. Um, and it's a, it's a common thing that, uh, that people like the FBI or local police forces that have uh, the budget uh, can buy uh, and use in all kinds of different ways. It's very useful in particular, even with all of the encryption in place, the most important thing you can tell people is what cell phones are in a particular area right now. Because if you go to a crowd and you turn it on, all the cell phones in that area will now associate to the Stingray, and now you have a list of everybody in that area. It's been um, it's very popular to use these sorts of things in protests, uh, and in, and in fact, during the Black Lives Matter protests, there were there was at least one case where they had a Stingray on an airplane flying over the area, and that way you get a really wide view without worrying about building obstruction of all of the people who happen to be at a protest. And then later you can go back through that list and identify individuals. So, so is the Stingray pretending to be all of the, the carriers? I mean, cause they're in, in pretty much everywhere. There are multiple carriers. You may have T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T or in Europe, you know, um, Vodafone and the rest. Uh, they're using different frequencies or using different systems i guess they're all gsm now but um i'm wondering if it's if they're they're only targeting say if they know somebody's a verizon customer they're going to go after verizon i it probably depends on the warrant so i imagine you know, if for example i i believe they have the ability to target every all the carriers in a particular area mm -hmm. uh but uh, what I don't know is when, in, in theory, for at least some of this use, you're supposed to get, you know, a warrant if you're tracking an individual. I don't mm -hmm. believe you have to if you're just capturing yeah, all the people at the protest. Yeah, yeah, if no, you're tracking no. a crowd, I don't believe you do. But if you're tracking mm -hmm. an individual, you might have to tailor it just to their number, possibly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But but again, I think most again, most people, the, the threat model for most people and probably most of our listeners would be if they are you know, at a demonstration at, you know, something like that, you know, I think that's where this kind of thing is more likely to pick you up. I mean, it's, it's, it's not as likely, I would hope that most of us would get targeted, uh, you know, uh, for our basic, our uh, individual device, but, but yeah, you could easily get caught up in, in, in a mass uh, data grab, right? Yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, this is, it's not news that Stingrays exists right now and that, that the police sometimes use them to track either individuals or groups at a protest or something or at a gathering. But what made the news this week was that uh, the FBI used it to track an individual through their car's connection, not their phone. Right. Uh, because nowadays, many cars, uh, and in the future, most, if not all cars, um, have a basic cellular connection that's mm -hmm. always on that, that the the car vendor can use to, you know, do over the air updates. Sometimes you can have it treated like a hotspot, things like OnStar and things use mm -hmm. that for, you know, remote, remote unlock in some cases, things like that. So you have all of all car or many cars have that sort of thing too. So they were apparently were able to, um, to get a warrant, use a stingray and then track an individual through their car uh, cars location as they drove around. Uh, which is apparently pretty is novel at least it's the first time it's been yeah. reported publicly although not at all surprising i actually always kind of assumed that that was happening but maybe that's my paranoia but you know it's funny because some you know so my car actually i recently traded it in but um my car i got it you know notice i don't know i don't 
remember how long ago, within the last year that, um, because it was older and it, it had that, those sort of connected features, but it was relying on a 2G connection that was um, end of life and they had no way of upgrading and it was just going to lose support. And I was kind of annoyed by that. But then at the same time, you know, I read the article, you know, you, you tweeted it this week and, and I looked at it and I thought, well, damn, maybe I shouldn't have traded that car in. Maybe that was actually a feature and not a bug. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the interesting thing about this is that even, you know, let's say that there isn't even a, a Stingray around. Most modern cars that do that are broadcasting your location to the car vendor. Uh, there, there was a, a story that I, I, you know, put on social media is months ago now, though, about a data broker that talks about the fact that there's, you can get that all of these vendors, one of, they send all this telemetry back to say Ford or whoever, whoever you got your car from and location is part of that because they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, there's on, on in dash entertainment systems and that sort of thing. They have GPS oh, yeah. and, and directions and everything. So they know your location that along with all of the diagnostic information that they want to collect, all the telemetry they want to collect is part of this feed. So the, the value of the Stingray is that you get real time, but even in the absence of a Stingray, you can you could get that same kind of data after the fact by going by asking the vendor uh, to give you a historical log, essentially. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it turns out that if you can see uh, the historical log of where an individual goes, even if it's anonymized, you can draw inferences oh, yeah. from all that information, you know, like, like for instance, app data. So say for example, that you're an individual who uses Grindr for hookups. Mm, uh, oh, I feel a segue coming. I feel it coming. coming here. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. yeah I mean, was, yeah, so <laughs> I like ahead, it. Kyle. I like it. Keep going. Let's, keep going. Let's, let's go there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the things that, one of the other stories that came out this week was that a Catholic priest, uh, resigned because uh, a group within the church uh, was put the money forward to get location data from a data broker. I, I think that they suspected that this priest was in homosexual relationships, which uh, that group frowned upon and the Catholic church frowns upon for those priests. And they were able through the use of a data broker and I, it doesn't disclose how much money it cost them, but essentially they were able to get location data from the app grinder, which uh, people, people use for, it's like a dating app for gay folks. So turns out this priest used it heavily um, at work, at home, and at, at gay, known gay bars. And apparently they were able, even though this is a quote unquote anonymized data, mm -hmm. they were able to look through. And I'm, I'm sure what they probably did was they got access to this data and said, okay, well, give us data where the location is around this person's address and then this person's place of work. And then they probably filtered it down. And essentially once they targeted a particular D, a particular anonymized phone, they were able to see, okay, well this anonymized phone, you know, goes to sleep at this guy's address and then goes to work at this priest's place of work. And then, in the, and then sometimes visits their this person's vacation home. Uh, and all of that metadata, even though it's quote unquote anonymous, it, location data cannot be anonymized because people go to typically go to sleep in their home. So, you know, wherever yeah. a location is from midnight to six on most nights is probably where they live. Um, and before COVID, uh, where their location is in the middle of the day is probably their place of work during the work week, you know? Uh, so anyway, all that to say, they were able to 
pull out a full dossier of, of this person using the app, uh, going to different bars, going to different uh, and using it within work and everything else. And then, and then he resigned as a result. And mm -hmm. this is sort of, a lot of people are talking about the story as being sort of the first of many, mm -hmm. because it sort of provides the precedent that if you have enough money to where you can buy the data from data brokers, right. you can then use it to reassemble dirt on people. Right. And it's perfectly legal. I'm going to link to the article that, that we're, we're talking about right now, but um, it, you know, it makes the point of, of mentioning that it is all perfectly legal. There's nothing illegal in the way that this data was obtained. Um, and uh, they didn't go, they didn't reveal specifically how they got it, but there are lots of ways that you can, you know, that a motivated person with the funds can, uh, can get this sort of information and it's, well, it sucks. I mean, it so, sucks. It's yeah, not cool it's, to, you know, go after people in this way. And, and I, I, I want to be clear no about There's no legitimate you. reason either. Yeah, I, I, I want to be clear about when uh, it, it wasn't so much um, about uh, homosexuality being frowned upon in the, in the church, but the church is it's, it's extremely conscious and, and careful these days about um, misconduct, with, misconduct with minors. And, if, and that is the language that they used in their announcement about his resignation. Uh, didn't mention anything about sexual preference. It did, but they were, you know, but they did say, you know, alleging possible improper yeah. behavior and and the key thing for them was did not include allegations of misconduct with the minors the but he was the highest ranking non-bishop in the church that big. almost makes it worse honestly to, well it's bad it, I mean, it, you know, it's sort I mean, of like we identified you as somebody who frequents gay bars so our conclusion was that we needed to further investigate you for underage well I, I, I'll fully which makes it worse you. like that bothers me even yeah. more yeah, well, get, get bothered. I mean, the, the I, I just want to be fair to yeah, that's, that's the church because were... that's not what they said. Okay, so the, yeah. they can imply all kinds of things, and and the fact that the church does uh, frown upon um, gay behavior, um, I think is a, is to some degree a separate matter. I think I think they were they, they're concerned about it, you know, abuse of minors because they're they're paid out what hundreds of millions of dollars probably by now yeah by that, that's absolutely yeah. true so but i so you know we've the, talked about in the past we've talked about this idea though that if you want to go after somebody you hide you 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 veil it in either pedophilia terrorism um i can't right yeah <laughs> but so that's like if you want an excuse to go after somebody just say that that you know it's one of those things so well, whichever guy, one fits that you most easily well this guy clearly was a walking embarrassment anyway you know i mean when they said that you know there are impending media reports alleging well they that means that this guy was you know he he was not being too secretive about what he was doing i mean in fact if he's going to gay bars yeah, okay. I mean, if you're a priest, and using you, grinder, you agree to not you know. do that, I guess. But well, it's just uh, a matter of well, it, there's the vow of celibacy as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's there's all of that, which aside from the fact that that's an impossible request, <laughs> I think. Uh, but it's it's a it's a difficult thing. But the the big thing is the fact that this this data is available. That that we are all again, we're all vulnerable. We're all terribly vulnerable, and and that data brokers have this information. I mean, the, the uh, so w what exactly is, either one of you can answer this because I don't really know the answer. I know that a great deal of 
data that we give up in the course of getting licenses and and you know agreements with you know the car company you buy a car you make a you sign a bunch of papers that are you know extremely long and wordy and you don't know what you're giving up with that then they may have the right to sell all kinds of personal data uh, out there i don't know but it's but it you know i, I remember I, I consulted the company axiom at one point which is one of those data brokers and the list of stuff that they had, you know, hunting licenses, for example, you know, you get a hunting license, that's, that's saleable information, you know, that, yeah. that they can sell a driver's licenses too. You know, if somebody wants to buy that information, the state can sell it. My understanding of that in any way is, is that, and that, to me, it's entirely wrong. I, I think none of your data should be for sale, period, going, you know, full stop to begin with. You, you make an agreement with somebody else that, that they have it, you know, I just signed up with Comcast. I, um, with a, a new apartment we're renting and, and I don't know what's gonna happen with that. Are they gonna tell, what, what do they do with that information? I don't want it to go past Comcast. I don't know if it will or not. You well, know, I just don't know. Assume that it does. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to assume that it does yeah, because, yeah. All, because you're leaving, because the company's leaving money on the table otherwise. There's yeah. huge revenue streams involved in selling yeah. this data now. And so it used to be you that would be the trade off for getting something for free. But that's not the case anymore because everyone, you know, yeah. everyone, even if they're charging you for a service, can also get separate revenue from selling your information that they're gathering. I mean, that's what all of the cellular providers and ISPs yeah. have discovered recently, you know, that they've been leaving all this money on the table. And they, you know, in particular, cellular providers know all the places you visit and your location and all of this stuff. And it's incredibly valuable data. Yeah. So, so and it's also very sorry, it's also very telling that law enforcement now, you know, there are all, all these stories about how law enforcement doesn't doesn't even need a warrant for most of the stuff that they gather because they can just buy the data. It, they get more and better and more useful data from buying it from from uh, you know data brokers as if they are marketers uh, than they do by obtaining a warrant and doing surveillance themselves, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, a passive the, least resistance the, there, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's there's an end game here, I think, and this is the end game I'd want to play, which is that we need to put a stop to all of it. And I think actually the the near infinite degree to which we're exposed um, on uh, online, uh, but we're starting to stop. Uh, I think I think it's it, you know do not track was a fail, but the glo global piracy control may not be a fail. Um, there's a big debate going on right now at the W3C about GPC, the global privacy control. There's, and that's something where you can globally, every single site you go to, it basically tells them all, you know, you know instead of you opt out of one at a time to all the websites uh, tracking you, you just have a global thing. Every place you go, it, it places the cookie that says, no, no, I don't want it. I'm not, I'm opting out of all of this stuff. And, we should have had global privacy control by whatever mechanism on day two on the internet. We didn't get it. Uh, and the fact that personal data of ours is being given up and sold and the rest of it as a matter of course, um, for decades probably in the, in the, in the offline world, I, I think the fact that we're starting to say no to it online because the browser makers are, are lining up behind this as well. They're not all doing it the same way, but at least, you know, Apple, Brave, and um, uh, and Microsoft, and um, and uh, not everybody, but Google, basically, in their own separate ways, are saying no. 
or trying to trying to say no. And I think that that I, I would have thought it would have started more offline than online, but I think there's a chance online that we're going to have that, that the zero, zero tolerance for privacy liberties being taken with our, with our lives online, I think is where, where we need to head, regardless of how much money is being made in it right now. Fuck that yeah. money. Say no, it's over. And I, that's kind of the announcement I want to make to, to the world. No, <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing that anymore. We're going to stop that. Yeah. And so that's sort of my position on it. How we do it, I don't know. But I think, I think the debates going on at the moment is also happening at the ITF, um, I think are important in that sense. The ITF being the Identity Task Force? No, 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 no. The uh, Internet. I, uh, uh, IETF, uh, I think. IETF. IETF? Internet Engineering Inter Task Force. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know there are no. RFCs in the works for that. There are requests for comment. That's how the IETF works. Uh, and RFC, like all, uh, SMTP and IMAP and POP3 and all those are, those were requests for comment that basically turn into standards. But yeah, I mean, the, like you say, yeah. the only standard that really would work is one where the default is you don't track me. And exactly. you, you have to have a, anything else. And that's the reason why there's such of a big push against it from companies that make their money this way because they yeah. realize that defaults matter. And so if the default is you're not allowed to track and you have to get explicit informed consent, then they really, I mean, people discovered this recently when, when iPhone changed their policies on tracking, right? And allowed people to, to disable everything and how many people chose, no, I actually don't want to share my data yeah. with advertisers. Yeah. It's a high number. And um, but I think if, again, I think if Apple had to do it all over again, there would not have ever been, I mean, if they, if they, if they had the mentality they have now or the orientation to privacy they have now, when they put, when they had the choice to put something called IDFA, identity for advertisers in your phone, they never would have done it, but they did, you know, and, and now, now they're, you know, they're, they're walking that one back really, really as hard as they can, uh, but it's still not perfect because they're, you know, your choice is to ask them not to track you, not, well, not shoot them in the, in the nuts if they do. Well, you know, and Apple's still allowed to track you too. It's not like their own right, tools are exactly. subject to these things. You know, like you're not getting a pop-up that says, you know, when a, like Safari wants this data or whatever, you know, you're getting, you're only getting things from, from competitors to Apple or third parties. There's yeah. I mean, Apple's not above criticism on this, but there's, but there, you know, there is a, I think they're, what, we, what we're moving toward is an understanding that is exactly what Brandeis and Warren said in their original um, paper on, on, on privacy. Privacy is the right to be left alone. Leave me alone. And that's the default. You leave me alone. And that means you don't, what you know about me, um, you leave that alone too. It's not, it's there for your use. It's not for you to sell to somebody else. Don't do it. And uh, yeah. you know, you know, so that's, and this, and, and, and it's a big fight going on. There's a big fight going on every other, you know, all those bigs are afraid that everybody's going to follow California and, and come out with their own privacy laws. They're going to, you know, make it hard for them. You know, but I want to, I want to see the tech I, the, before I see more laws, frankly, but go yeah. ahead. I was just going to say, you know, if we, if we can't, if we can't go as far as it being default, don't track me, I would, I would at least like to be able to get a restraining order. You know, if I have a creepy yeah. person that follows me everywhere I go, 
you know, say I leave the house and somebody's like waiting, waiting at the edge of my driveway. And then they follow me by foot or by car, you know, all day long. And, and then when I go home, they just sit right outside the limits of my property and have binoculars and look yeah. at my house. You know, I, I could, I have recourse. I could file a restraining order that says they're not allowed within X number of miles of me because they're harassing me. Um, even if they yeah. never talk to me, just the fact that they're snooping on me the whole time, I, you know, I have that recourse, but I can't file a restraining order against Google or Facebook and right. say, you know, I don't, I'm not using your products, but, and, but regardless, I don't want you to track me. I don't want you within a hundred digital miles of me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it is stalking. I mean, there, there are laws about stalking and, and restraining orders are pretty good. That's a good metaphor as well. You know, I want a restraining order on, against these people and I want it enforceable. Uh, well, I think if there is a silver lining, you know, in stories like the NSO group coming to light, it's that, you know, when such egregious violations uh, get into, you know, public discourse, I think that that may be more likely to lead to actual changes or uh, at least consumer demand for change. You know? Yeah, maybe one hopes. I mean, it's unfortunate that people have possibly been murdered as a result of these technologies. But at least, uh, I guess, that led to even more outrage. Okay, I, can't, I feel bad even saying that. I, gotta, like, I don't know, I think I need to edit that out. That's horrible. But Jesus, I mean, it's true. You have to have somebody literally killed in order for people to care about privacy. How messed up is that? That's pretty messed up. Yeah. I'm going to leave that in. But, but here's the thing is, I think <laughs> even then, it's not, I think people care about it even more because they think, well, these, these tools have gotten in the hands of the wrong people. You'll right. have plenty of people that right. will say, yeah. I'm fine with X, Y, and Z having these capabilities, but you know, I'm fine with these world leaders being able to do that at, indiscriminately according to who they feel is, is a value target, but I don't trust the judgment of these leaders. You know? And so mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of it too, is that you're getting scrutiny because NSO group is supposed to filter out, uh, is supposed to be very selective in who they allow to use these tools based on um, human rights records and that sort of thing. Uh, and the people are upset because they feel like some of the people were allowed to have access to the tool that shouldn't have, less that the tool exists at all. Right, which is of course ridiculous because once the tool exists, anybody will have it eventually. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's, it, I doubt that they're sitting there, you know, it's not like they're babysitting every use of it. You know, mm -hmm. if you, you embedding every single phone number that gets added to be monitored. But given that, I mean, that's actually a good point. Given that, you know, once, once it's out there, it's out there. So, they, you know, you can regulate against it. You can pass laws and, you know, they can't be used in certain ways. But there, there are areas in the world where, you know, good luck, you know? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's scary. So, so stop developing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we've come to that point of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, you know, we've, we've covered so much. It's always nice to have you here, Kyle. Thank you. It's, um, it's been great. covered a lot of really good stuff and, you know, the, the conversation always flows so nicely. Yeah. So, so thank you, Kyle, for, for, for being here. I think, you know, I, I hope that we've opened some eyes or, uh, shared some useful information and we look forward to having you back as always. Thank um, you for having me. I love being here. Uh, and, you know, for everyone listening, I'm, you know, there will be links to all of this. Uh, please go check it out. You know, read with a critical eye. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And stop the spying and the stalking and the rest of it. It's the main fight. I, I think to me, yeah. it's the, the, the most important fight we have right now. 
online anyway. I mean, there, there are other fights in the world, but in our world, uh, it's huge. Yeah, I agree. Enough already. Well, enough already. Thanks all.